So we're going to open up with prayer. I encourage you guys to take some notes tonight. This isn't the longest sermon or anything like that, but it's the, the content of it is really important. And so I want to make sure that everybody really gives me their best ear tonight because this is the type of stuff you need to know. Uh, even if it's not for you, everything in it, there's going to be people that you will know that do need this information. And so I encourage people, please start bringing like a, a Bible with you that you can follow along and We're going to go to Matthew chapter 10, but let me open with prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word. We love the presence that's here, the Holy Spirit moving. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and power. But, Lord, we need the word. We desperately need the word to know the word, to grow in the word. And I thank you that as I'm going to be getting into this word tonight, that even now the precious Holy Spirit is moving upon every one of us to help us to give you our best ear, full attention, our focus to lock in and not be distracted, but our minds are tuned in. And as the Bible said, Jesus taught us the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us the word. He leads us into all truth. So, Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit helping us to be good soil. As you speak through me, your words of life sown out as living seeds of truth into people's hearts and minds and lives that are good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. As the winds of your Spirit carry this out among the nations, It will get where it's supposed to and accomplish what it's supposed to. And we take authority. The birds of the air will not steal this seed. We take authority and bind the enemy in Jesus' name. Right now, you will back off and get away from this word. In the name of Jesus, you will not hinder it in any way. But I thank you, Lord, that we stand on the promise. The word of the Lord will never return void. It will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So we agree together as a church, and we thank you for it now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're dealing with issues of inner healing, and I especially want all the younger generation, okay, to listen to what I'm about to say. God has a plan for your life. He has a destiny for you. There's a reason that you were born, and when you were formed in your mother's womb, God has a plan for your life. You need to find out that plan, but I'm also going to make this really clear to you tonight Satan also has a plan for your life. He has a plan. Usually it will have to do with getting out of the will of God. It usually has to do with the wrong people in your life, the wrong friends, the wrong romantic relationships. But Satan wants to pull you out of God's plan and put you in his plan. And so I want you to please hear me tonight because you need to know the plan of the Lord for your life. And you also need to recognize Satan's tactics. And so you can get hurt in life. You can get hurt even by religious people. Uh, Things can happen. It it just does happen. But I want you to understand that Jesus has come to bind up and heal the brokenhearted and to get you back on track. So if you've gotten, your life has kind of gotten off track, God wants to help you get back on track. So let me just open up with this scripture. John the Baptist was out there preaching and And the people in Jerusalem and Judea and all the country around about the Jordan went out to meet him. And they were baptized in the Jordan by him, confessing their sins. So John had a powerful ministry. But when he saw that many of the Pharisees and Sadducees came for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee and escape from the wrath and indignation God is against uh, disobedience that is coming. And he said, Bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. 
But this is important what he was saying. It's getting to this point I want to make. He said to bring forth fruit inconsistent with repentance. In verse 9, And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. But, so again, this is like John is saying to these people, Get ready for the coming of the Lord. Get ready for God's visitation in your life. Make sure you repent that you get on that right path God has for you. But then he says this interesting statement. The axe is already laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. Um, And then he goes on to say, but there's one coming after me who is mightier than I. And I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. As speaking of Jesus. But I want you to see this statement. It says that the axe is already laid to the root. So, so many times we deal with all these other things without realizing that we're not dealing with the root issue. Since I've been in the ministry... I've asked the Lord many times to give me wisdom to try to help people get the axe laid to the root because many times people are dealing with all these frustrating issues and they don't understand why they keep dealing with these frustrating issues. But as they are dealing with them, it's because they haven't laid the axe to the root of the problem, okay? So, for example... There was a man that was saying in the military that there was a bomb that exploded and there was some shrapnel. Just look this way and give me your best ear. There was a bomb that exploded and there was some shrapnel that got into a guy. And he was a medic and so he was trying to patch up the wound. And he was going to put some dressing on it and clean it up. And and the older medical doctor that was over him stopped him and said, well, wait a second. And he gets out this probe and he kind of goes down into the wound and the guy let out a a yelp as he touched that there was still some shrapnel in there. And so he got the forceps and he went down in there and he pulled that shrapnel out and it was uncomfortable for the guy, obviously. But listen to what I'm saying. If he had not gotten that shrapnel out by putting something on top of it, no matter how much he cleaned it and banished it, it would have looked good outwardly, but inwardly it would have simply got infected. And it would have never really truly healed. And I wonder how many people today have all these different issues, but they've never really truly dealt with things that need to be dealt with in them, okay? And one of the issues I want to deal with tonight is in this series called Broken is uh, I want to deal specifically with the root of rejection. Many problems go back to this root of rejection. People that struggle Please hear what I'm saying tonight because some people you know, people that struggle with addictions, self-destructive behavior, personal problems of various kinds, many times the root issue deep within them is rejection and past trauma. So let me say that again. Look this way. Give me your best ear. Please focus on what I'm saying because this is a short message, but it's very important. How many know people? that deal with addictions, they deal with self-destructive behavior, and over and over and over again, people try to help them, people try to talk to them, uh, but they never really seem to change. 
They struggle with addictions. They struggle with self-destructive behavior. Maybe they're a cutter. Maybe they're suicidal. Uh, They have personal problems of different kinds. Mentally, they have issues with mental illness. They have issues with emotional problems. They They have difficulties in maintaining healthy relationships. They tend to have unhealthy relationships. They get too clingy and kind of weird with with things. They just, it, it's over the top. It's unhealthy relationships with some people, but then other people, they're real mean. To, it's, they don't know how to have healthy relationships. Many times the root issue deep within is that they have been wounded by rejection and past trauma. And some of that, yes, it can go back to childhood. And let me tell you that, that, um, time does not heal every wound. I know that that's a saying, and I know that passing time does sometimes help us get over things, but time does not necessarily heal wounds. Did everybody hear what I said? There's some people that can be quite old, and they dealt with things in their childhood, and they've never really got healed from it, and over time, they just simply learn to cope with it. To them, it seems normal. But their life has never really been the fullness of what it could have been because they never got healed. Now, the way that God has designed families, this is interesting if you study this scripturally. God has designed families for the parents to provide like security and acceptance toward the children while disciplining them and helping them be shaped into their destiny. And some of the things I've seen over the last couple decades in families is I'm, I'm fed up with seeing parents that want to be friends with their kids instead of being parents. I'm done with that. And I'm tired of seeing parents that want to defend the bad behavior in their kids. When I got in trouble at school, I got in trouble at home. Amen? The teacher isn't the problem. The rebellious kid's the problem. And we've got a society of messed up parents that's producing messed up kids. But God designed families for parents to provide security and acceptance and all that, but disciplining those kids and raising them in a way to make them good little human beings. But in that security and that acceptance that children have in the home, if somehow that is shattered, because of betrayal, because of maybe um, addictions or because of divorce or because of all the fighting, um, all that goes on that causes uh, disorder and dysfunction in families, it can shatter that. What God intended to be a safe place for children to grow up and, and, and receive what they need so they can function in life can be totally destroyed and it can really damage those children. It can cause deep trauma and rejection issues. And kids deal with it different ways. Some may get angry and bitter. Others may deal with deep-seated fears and trauma. It causes them to not know how to deal with things. And and a lot of times kids have been traumatized will have issues that come up and people don't understand, well, why are they like that? Well, it's because they've been traumatized. And the root problem then can express itself with this. Listen to what I'm saying. Kids can have identity issues. That's a big one. They can have a low self-esteem that's not healthy. 
They can have insecurities. They can have depression issues and sometimes disassociative behavior. And also this can lead young people sometimes into sexual sins and addictions. And let me explain how that works. Because kids, for whatever reason, don't get what they need, sometimes when they get a little bit older, they're trying to find something in the sexual relationships that are sin before God, okay, that's sinful. But they're trying to find something in those relationships. And here's what they're going to find. They're going to find more hurt. They're going to find more pain. They're going to find more rejection. They're going to give their heart to somebody and then have it shattered. And then they go from bad to a lot worse. Other kids will find, they'll turn to addictions. And I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol, though that does happen. I'm talking about even things like video games or, or television or something. They just literally get addicted to it because they want to escape the life that they, they're in because they're miserable. And they get addicted to things. Others will fall into a weird crowd They'll, they'll turn to dark stuff. Uh, I've seen kids, because I've, I've worked with young people since the 90s. And I have, if, if there's a group of people I've done a lot of ministry to, it's young people for many years. And I've seen a lot of different young people from all types of backgrounds you could possibly imagine. There's probably not a background that I have not ministered to a young person in my life. But in all of that, I have seen them when they go through different things, and it usually is rooted in family problems, I've seen them get into weird stuff. I've seen young people get into gangs and get mean. They get a spirit about them. I mean, but violence and murder. I've seen young people get into the occult. They get sucked into this world where they get into witchcraft. And I've seen back in the day, I don't know how if it's a different name for it now or whatever, but back then they called it gothic and they would wear all black and they'd, you know, wear the eyeliner around their eyes. I mean, and they would cut themselves. They got in this dark world of depression and obsession with death and darkness. And all the while, these young people are just simply wounded. They need Jesus to heal them. And I've seen the Lord deliver young people and heal them and transform their whole lives over and over and over again. But God designed the family to provide that. And I've seen many times down through the years, there's a couple people come to mind in recent years that because their families are so messed up at home that, and this is probably God's mercy and grace in this, but there's times where without me ever saying anything or anything like that, but I've seen younger people that have just horrible family life, somehow they start looking to me like a dad, even though I'm a pastor. And somehow they start looking at you guys as their actual family. I've seen it more than once. And it's not a bad thing because they need something. We can't necessarily get them out of that at home, per se. That's their family, you know. You can't rescue them out of it all the time. But you can be like a family that they really need. And they come to church, and they, they kind of cling to the pastor and the pastor's wife. They cling to some of you guys, and, and that's like a family to them, and they need it. They need it. So God wants to heal people. And God puts the lonely into families. In the Bible, it says that. 
But sadly, many times the pattern, the hear what I'm saying tonight, because you want to know how generational curses, like really powerful curses form. Many times patterns of abuse, divorce, dysfunction, addictions, and immorality in families that destroy and tear families all to, all to pieces. I mean, just destroy families. Let me say it again. Patterns of abuse, divorce, dysfunction, addictions, and immorality that destroy families all to pieces. Many times that creates deep wounds in people. And Satan will begin to move in with generational curses. And because of those curses, some spirits that move into those families and the enemy wants to set up some type of a bondage that will perpetuate down that family line for many generations until somebody comes to Jesus and gets delivered from that thing. And let me tell you how it works. Satan's kingdom doesn't want to give people up. So if you've got patterns in your family that you see where going back in that family, there's been wounds, there's been divorce, there's been abuse, there's been people that have been unfaithful, sexual immorality, different things that destroyed the family, broke people's hearts, Kid, kids have got issues, maybe they're grown now. Here's what the enemy wants. He wants to take the children of that situation when they get older, and he wants to connect them with the wrong spouse. Are y'all hearing me? Please hear me. He wants to connect them with the wrong spouse that comes from maybe a similar thing. And he wants to bring that together and then perpetuate that generational curse. I had no idea. I've dealt with this as a pastor because you hear stupid stuff with people who don't know what they're talking about. And I always thought that dealing with generational curses and things really wasn't that hard. You just pray for somebody, break it, move on because that's what people say and they don't know what they're talking about. When I started helping people get free from the enemy and their family, I'm telling you all hell broke loose. And there was a major war over those people and anybody trying to help them. Let me tell you something. When Satan has got a bondage in a family, he is not going to let that go easily. So you better be ready to, I mean, if you want to be free, there's freedom in Christ. Oh, man, let me tell you, there is complete freedom in Jesus Christ. But you better be willing to fight it to the bitter end and get on the other side of it. And what God wants to do is he's wanting to take you from that family tree that may be so full of iniquity and curses and bondages and strongholds. And you look through your family and has, you see all these problems and you see your life full of problems. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to save you, but he wants to take and cut you completely out spiritually. He wants to cut every curse and everything that the enemy's had. He wants to cut you out of that family tree. And he wants to bring you into Christ, into a new family tree where generational blessings form in your life and travel down your family. You still love your family. You see them on holidays. You pray for them. You know, all of that. But spiritually speaking, you've been cut out of those curses and bondages. But the roots of rejection. Many times young people have gone through a lot of rejection. And I know how that feels. And rejection can really damage people. It can make people hurt, angry, insecure. And it's a real wound. It's a wound that God needs to heal. 
And here's here's a few things. Uh, again, I, this isn't really long, but I want it to I want it to be short enough that you really remember all this. Whenever you go through these type of wounds, there are wounds there that I promise you that just counseling and therapy is not going to be able to fix. That can only go so far. It may feel good to talk about it, and there's there's healing in that. Don't get me wrong; that it's important. That's going to help some. But when you're dealing with deep wounds, only the Lord can heal. But he promised this. He said, I've come to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. So the Lord can heal people. But here's the problem. We've got to acknowledge that there is a wound. Y'all please hear me tonight about this. You've got to acknowledge there's a wound. You've got to forgive the people that's hurt you. But then you've got to let the Lord touch you. Here's what happens. A lot of times people... When the Lord begins to stick his probe down into that wound and he starts touching those things, they get upset and they get out of that. that I don't want this. God tries to deal with it, but they, they close off to what God's doing because it's uncomfortable. They don't want to hear about it. God may send a preacher somebody to pray for them and start bringing it up and they shut down the conversation. They don't really want to deal with it because it's painful. And I don't really blame them for feeling that way, but until you let the Lord touch you, how are you going to get healed? And just like the guy that yelped a little bit when the probe touched it, look, we've got to let the Lord probe into our lives and begin to touch some things. And it's uncomfortable, but let him heal you. Because I talked about last week, a lot of times, some, some of the issues where people have physical health problems or they, they, they deal with mental and emotional issues and even relational problems, that root, it's rooted in inner healing issues. And until they get healed from it, how are they ever going to get over those things? We've got to be willing also to move beyond stuff, that we quit living our lives looking in the rearview mirror all the time, and we've got to get past that and start looking at the future ahead of us. Put the past behind you. But in dealing with some of this, the Bible says this, you know, talking about generational curses forming. In Malachi 4, 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. But look at what the spirit of Elijah will do. This is the Holy Spirit coming like in revival fire. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers so that I will not come and smite the lamb with a curse. Because of all the destruction in a lot of families, that family has been stricken with a curse. But God wants to heal. And let me tell you something. Like I mentioned before, sometimes people kind of hear what I'm saying because I feel like this really is for some people. When my wife gave her life to the Lord, she had a really, really horrible family situation. And she had to count the cost and she had to move on. And she couldn't sit around trying to make them like her or try to make them accept her Christianity and all that. She simply had to move on. But, you know, years later, she was able to be a witness to her mother years later, decades later, and actually led her mother to the Lord before she died. But my wife had to get away from her mother for many, many, many years because it was unbelievably toxic and abusive. And let me tell you something, guys. Some of you, you need to love and honor your family and all that. You need to do that. But you also need to have some healthy boundaries. If they're toxic for you, you need to have some distance there. Because if you let them, they're going to keep hurting you and keep being a thorn in your side and keep getting you in a place where you need inner healing.
and you need maybe spiritual healing and you need to be set free from things because of what they're going to expose you to and do to you. And my wife had to separate for many years, but God used her then also to really be a light and a witness to her sisters and to others in her family. But here's what God will do. Just like I mentioned before, sometimes there, there's such toxic family relationships that God has to use a church to be kind of that spiritual family to them and bring healing to them. And in a sense, the hearts of the children that are wounded turn to the fathers, but that may be found at church. And let me tell you something else. Sometimes spiritual parents can be far better. I remember, you remember Brother Ihambe that came here? From the Congo, his father was very abusive. And he grew up, I mean, really abused. And God brought him a spiritual father years later after he got saved. And he said this to me, and he said it in a group I was, you know, I was sitting under his ministry somewhere else. But he said, many times the spiritual father will be far better than your natural father. And it's actually what you need. And now, because he had a good spiritual father, it healed those wounds of abuse. And look at the anointing on that man now. And he's really been used of God in a mighty way. He's seen a lot of healings and miracles, a lot of lives transformed, a lot of people set free from things. But he had to, he kind of had to distance himself from his family where there's all this toxic uh, activity and abuse, and he had to get a spiritual father. That could be what he needed. So God puts the lonely in families, and God will create families. I think about orphans and different people. Uh, that sometimes God will create and bring together families and it ends up being such a beautiful thing in Christ. That's the work of the Lord, isn't it? And the last couple things I want to talk about is we're, we're going to pray here in a moment because I really feel like we need to pray for people tonight and let God really touch you. But it's renewing the mind. When people have been really wounded in life, especially if it's been repetitious, Sometimes people will begin to deal with paranoia or it's almost like they expect to be wounded and they expect to go through stuff. And so they kind of have a wall up and I don't blame them for that. But if you're not careful, you can have these bondages in your life, a rejection mentality. And what that is, is like you perceive rejection everywhere, even though it's not necessarily there. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody has a goofy look on their face because they're thinking about they're wanting to leave and go eat a taco, right? They're sitting there with this blank look on their face. And somebody sees them and they think they're looking at them and they take it as rejection. They're sitting around going, well, what are they thinking about me? They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about their taco. But everything is perceived as rejection. Or somebody else is having a really bad day and so they come in and they're not themselves and they've got other things on their mind and they're not real friendly. And then somebody with a rejection mentality really takes that to heart. Like, what do, what do they have against me? Why are they rejecting me? That person rejecting you is just having a really bad day. And so these perceived rejections is a real bondage in people. And so you've got to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not saying there's not going to be rejections because there can be. But how many knows we've got to get to the place where we don't let that affect us? And God has to help you with that, especially if you've been through a lot of rejection, a lot of hurt. It's not easy, but God's got to heal that in you and get you to a place to where if people are rejecting towards you, it doesn't really affect you. Especially if you're called into the ministry. 
And some of you younger people that feel a call into ministry, God may allow you as, even as a child to go through a lot of rejection because he's trying to get you to a place to where you don't let it affect you. It's important. Listen, I'm speaking to somebody that's been in the ministry for almost three decades, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of garbage you got to deal with in the ministry that nobody else has to deal with. And there's a lot of stuff because the enemy's always trying to stir up something against you. You're going to have to get to the place where people can say whatever they're going to say about you, and you don't let it get to you. Say, whatever. So renewing the mind in another bondage is not just rejection mentalities, but bitter judgments. You've got to be careful that you don't have any type of a hatred or bitterness in your heart because of what you've been through. You need to be quick to forgive people, but don't let that hate and bitterness get in you, get in your spirit, because it will produce this. Bitter judgments can be where you're so negative and critical of other people because of stuff you've been through in your own heart. You've been hurt. And so you're, you're, you yourself, out of hurt, look at people through a real negative lens, and it's not really how they really are. But it's, it's extremely negative, very critical, down, downplaying them because of the hurt in your own life. And one of the things I'd warn, I've mentioned this earlier, is just not being able to have healthy relationships. So, some people... And I've seen this a lot with people that's really been wounded and all that. They tend to get clingy and weird in relationships. And then when people are just kind of pushing back from that because it's not healthy, they take that as rejection. So pray about being able to have normal, healthy relationships with healthy boundaries. All right, so I want you to think about this in renewing the mind. We're getting rid of rejection mentalities. We're getting rid of bitter judgments. There's not going to be any hate in our heart. There's not going to be any bitterness. But I want you to think about the way God views you. Because if I was to ask most people, how do you think that God views you? I think a lot of people would feel like maybe God was disappointed in them. Or maybe he really didn't have a lot of good feelings toward them at all. They would probably think to themselves like, well, I don't know, like maybe God has better things to do than to think about them or answer their prayers or whatever. They probably have a pretty uh, negative outlook about how God views them. But I want to give you something that may be hard for you to believe at first, and I can understand that. But I'm going to give you the scripture to back it up. In Ephesians 1.6, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he has freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Did you know that God says about us that we're a part of his beloved? Well, the word there is charitu, I guess is how you pronounce it, in the Greek. Charitu, and it's, it means beloved, but it's more than just approval and acceptance. It means a lot more than that. It means highly favored. It means grace and it means special honor. This may be hard for you to believe. It may be hard for you to accept this. But in Christ Jesus, God has bestowed his love upon you the same as Jesus Christ himself. So for example, when God looks at 
Jesus and the feelings of love that God the Father has toward Jesus Christ, you have to understand that we are in Christ. Don't you picture Jesus and you being like one before the Father. And so when God looks at Jesus, he's looking at Jesus and you at the same time. God sees you through Jesus. So it's not based on anything about us, because how many knows that we've all got a lot of our own issues, amen? But look, God has got better things to do than to sit around and focus on your issues, your little negative quirks. How many knows he loves us anyway? We're not going to be perfect in this life from the time until you die and you see Jesus. You're not going to be perfected. So God's not sitting around counting all your imperfections. He doesn't think about those things. He doesn't focus on those things. He wants to help you with those because he loves you. But the Lord, the Father, he sees you through Jesus. So you're his beloved. And so the way he sees you is the same love, the same acceptance, the same favor, the same grace as he's looking upon Jesus Christ himself. And that's hard for us to believe. How many would be honest and say, Pastor, that's a hard one really truly to believe that God would see me the same way as he sees Jesus? I'm not sure that I believe that. Well, let's read it again. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he has freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Okay, we are part of the beloved, the same as Christ. So God doesn't see all of your past sins and failures. What God sees is the blood of Jesus has washed them away. They're forgotten. God doesn't keep bringing them up. God doesn't see all of that. He doesn't see all the mistakes. I'm going to tell you. I'm not one of those that believes in God disqualifying people forever. I don't believe that. I've, I heard one guy preach on that about being disqualified and stuff like that. Look, maybe about some things I understand about what he was saying. But what I'm saying is this. God is the God of second chances. He's the God of restoration. He's the God that will restore the years the locusts have eaten. He's the God that wants to forgive somebody and raise them back up again. He's a God that wants to forgive you and heal your life and and use you. And the only thing that hinders us a lot of times is is our perception of God and our perception of the way he views us. A lot of people think, well, who am I to come to God and pray about things? We've got to get some faith about us. Because our faith is not in our good works. Because how many knows if that's the case, we're all in a lot of trouble. Our faith is not in that. Our faith is in the fact that when we approach God humbly, that we come through the blood of Jesus and we can come with confidence that we are God's covenant people. When he sees us, he sees us as his blood covenant people. He sees us as though it's Christ himself with that same love and that God, the Bible says that you can approach the throne of grace and receive help in time of need. God's wanting to help us. But a lot of people feel inadequate and their prayers are weak because they don't feel like they're important. Listen, from God's perspective, his blood covenant people, his righteous ones are all important. And your prayers are important. And we need to have faith in the fact that God loves us, that we're his, and that he wants to answer our prayers. We got to get back to what the Bible says about that. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man or woman are powerful. 
And I could show you over and over in Scripture where, where God is wanting to hear and answer our prayers. But I think a lot of times, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of times these inner healing issues, excuse me, these inner healing issues are a root problem because people really truly do not have the faith to believe God. And it goes back to the inner healing issues within them. And therefore, they don't have that faith they really truly need to approach God and actually get something from him. Now, listen, all of us have been wounded. Listen, I'm talking to somebody that's been through a lot of stuff myself, and God's had to heal me inwardly just like you. So this is a sermon that's just simply to all of us, okay? But we've got to get inwardly healed where we have a good, healthy confidence in approaching God that we're not basing our faith on something about ourselves. We're basing it on what Jesus did on the cross, and we're basing it on the Word of God. That God says about me, I am justified. I am sanctified as holy. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And that I overcome the enemy by the blood of Jesus and the word of my testimony. I'm able to come before the throne of grace and receive help in time of need. I can tread upon snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. And that we begin to have a healthy confidence in God. A confidence in what his word says about us. A confidence in who we are in Christ. Because that type of confidence is faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants us to be bold and confident in our faith because of what Jesus did. Are y'all hearing me? God wants us to be bold and confident in our faith, not because of our pride, no, no, but because of what Jesus did. And so let God do in you what he needs to do. Instead of covering things up, and I close with this, I want us to think about this. We've got to not put some type of religious bandage over it. Just like what I said at the beginning, you know, you get the probe out, you get out the shrapnel. Listen, let God lay the ax to the root and get that out of your life because you cannot just put a dressing on top of something like that and let it fester and get infected. So many people put a bandage on it of religion. They go to church and they know how to act like everything's okay, but really, truthfully, it's not okay. There's a lot of different things about the church I pastor. I've always wanted to be a little different than maybe every other church per se. But one of them is, is that people can really be real and get healed of stuff. I've been, I've been uh, too many places where people feel like they got to put on a show or something. You know, that's religion. And how many knows River of Life just isn't very religious? Like, you know what I mean by that? Like a religious spirit. This is a place that just doesn't have a religious spirit. It doesn't last long here. It kind of gets blown out of the water. I don't want a religious spirit. And I know you don't either. So when we come to God, we just need to be real and be open. And be real and open with each other. A lot of people feel comfortable come talk to me about all kinds of things that they're dealing with. And, um, you know, that's what we're supposed to be here for is to help people. I'll tell you something, too. Some people have had some really strange and extremely painful things in life. They maybe have been molested. They've been abused. 
uh, as a child or something, or some people have even gone through uh, satanic abuse, like ritualistic stuff, and they don't want to talk about it at all. Because here's what happens a lot of times. I'll tell a story about Doreen Irvine. She passed away, but she was somebody that was deeply involved, and she lived in Britain, deeply involved in witchcraft and Satan worship, and she she was into prostitution and drugs and all that, you know. And this was back years ago, mind you. This wasn't, you know, the other day. And she got saved on the streets. There was a guy, an evangelist that came to town. She got saved. And whenever she gave her life to Christ, she knew that she still needed a lot of ministry. And she, listen to what I'm saying. This is really important because this is a religious spirit. She goes to a church to get help. And while she's there, things would happen to her. Like, for example, when they brought out the communion table, they would, she would try to take communion, but she would end up, uh, uh, she needed deliverance from demonic spirits because she'd come out of Satan worship. How many knows you're probably going to get one or two? And so she was, uh, these things would manifest, and she'd fall on the ground. And all these religious people are just looking at her and just kind of scoot away. Well, she wanted help, and she went up to the minister and he was just a real good clergyman, you know, and he's there shaking everybody's hands as they leave. And she says, could you help me? I was involved in all this stuff, in witchcraft, Satanism, and I was into drugs and all this, and Christ saved me by need. And he's just sitting there. She said all the blood drained from his face. She said, man, was totally pale white, shook her hand and said, nice to see you today. And <laughs> just sent her on her way. <laughs> so a lot of times religion, how many knows religion is powerless? It's exactly, this is the description in the Bible. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. And that church never could help her. She was desperate. And she, how many knows the Lord sees you? She was desperate and she was crying out to God at home. Please, is this all there is? I've got to be delivered. Please help me. Long and short of it, she found a particular minister. She called on the phone and this guy was a baptized in the Holy Ghost spirit-filled, tongue-talking man of God. And she said, can you come help me? He showed up and cast all the devils out of her and healed her. And listen, and he, he helped her get to where she needed to be. And then she turns around and has a powerful testimony, wrote a book about it called Free from Witchcraft, traveled and spoke places, and God used her to be a light in great darkness. But see, let me tell you something. A religious spirit, those type of people don't feel comfortable coming to church because they feel that others will look down on them or make fun of them or reject them. And they're not necessarily wrong. And so they need to have places like River of Life where they can come and get ministry. Amen? And I remember a guy has a powerful testimony of also coming out of that same type of stuff. And he, he was a funny guy. I remember back in like the 80s or something, I went to see him speak. He was hilarious. But here's his testimony. This is really sad. In his testimony, an extremely abusive father, alcoholic. But this guy was so mean. I'll give you a, one example in his book he talked about. He said one time his dad said to him, hey, come here and sit in my lap or whatever. And he thought, man, this is out of character, you know. He thought his dad was going to show him some type of physical affection, like, you know, hug him or something. And when he came toward his dad, his dad had a, a beer bottle and whacked him over the head with it, knocked him on the ground and told him, said, don't ever trust anybody. That was his life lesson. 
dad of the year. And so this guy, you know, needless to say, had a lot of problems. Amen. He gets older and he gets into the hippie scene. Those who have seen the Jesus Revolution, some of you are quite young, but at least you got an idea now of the hippie scene. So he got in the hippie scene. He started doing these psychedelic drugs and he gets introduced to some people that were trying to get him now into some really dark occult stuff. And listen to this. This is important that you hear this story. Don't ever forget this story. So before he got mixed up with these people that were like in the occult, witchcraft, and some of them Satanism, okay, they were beginning to talk to him, and they were trying to get him to come over to some of their stuff they were doing. He was driving down the road on his motorcycle, and I think he had a Harley, but he was driving down the road on his motorcycle, and it happened to be Sunday morning, and he looked over, and he saw this church was open. And there were some guys out in the front, had suits on and stuff like that. Of course, he's dressed like a hippie. And he thought this to himself. He thought, you know, these people want me to go into all this stuff. But he saw this church and he thought to himself, but what if God is real? And I I need to see about this, see if God is really real. And... So he pulls his motorcycle into the parking lot and gets off his motorcycle, takes his helmet off. And, you know, again, hippie. He goes in, it goes up to the steps. He's going up these cement steps to where these guys are that are greeters. And he's going to go into the church. And these guys looked at him and started mocking him and sneering at him and said, we don't want your kind around here. And he goes, well, what are you talking about, man? I'm just going to church. I'm not here to cause any problems. You know, and he tried to go past him. And one of them kicked him, and he tripped, and he fell down cement steps. So he got up from there, and I think he said some things I'm not going to repeat. But then he jumped. But listen to what I said, because this isn't funny. He jumped on his bike, and he said, forget this God. And then he went into the occult. That's a religious spirit. I wonder, just personal opinion, I could be wrong. I wonder how many people that you look at them and think they're going to be in heaven that aren't going to be there. And how many people you think, well, are those people saved that are going to be there? I think a lot of these religious people like that are not really God's people. I just think they're religious and they're mean. They're modern-day Pharisees and Sadducees. John the Baptist, if he was here, call him a brood of vipers. But anyway, we need to be a place that people can come and get healed. Now, I'm going to say one more story, and I want to pray. There was a guy, if I remember the name of the school, it was something like Niceville. It's kind of a weird name. That's why I remember it. But it was in Pensacola. And during the Pensacola revival, there was a, a gentleman that was a principal. Now, I can't remember his name. But he used to come to the revival there at Brownsville as much as he could. And he was bringing young people from the school. And he said this. He said, I always obeyed the law. I was really careful. He said, I only talked about things if young people came to me and asked me questions. He said, I would simply answer their questions. So they were coming to him asking him about Jesus. And so he was answering their questions. They're getting saved. And he's taking them to, to the revival. They're getting saved. They're getting baptized in water. Their lives are being transformed. They're so on fire for God. They're going home and going in their rooms and reading their Bibles and praying. 
Well, listen to some of this. He gave one story, but there were several where parents had a problem with this. <laughs> and he said one parent called him and was basically cussing him out and was saying, do you know what my kid's doing right now? He said, I don't know what your kid's doing. He said, they're in their room reading their Bible. And they're mad. And he said, okay, well, what's the problem? And, they, and here's, listen, this is what he said, and don't forget this because some of y'all, even some of these kids right now in the sound of my voice, some of your parents would much rather you be messing around with drugs and alcohol and sexual promiscuity than they would going after God, and that's a fact. That's hard to believe, isn't it, for me and you? But there are some parents that are just exactly like that. And I remember that principal was saying that. He sat there and said this on tape. I have the video. You can look, look this up on YouTube, by the way. It has to do with the Brownsville Revival, like their documentary. And you can look it up and find it. But the guy was saying, this is hard for you to believe. But he said, there's some parents out there that would much rather their kids be messing around with the drugs and the sex and that than they would going to church. And he said, I've been persecuted because I'm leading them to Jesus. Who was persecuting him? Parents. Oh, Lord. So we're going to have, in the days to come, I believe it's already beginning. I think we're already seeing the first raindrops in River of Life. But we're going to start seeing a lot of people coming in here to get things right with God. And hear what I'm saying. I mean, they're not going to look, obviously, like a hippie, per se, from the 60s. So you never know. Some of them are. But they're going to come in here looking like they do. And they're going to come in here with all their issues and all their problems and everything else you can imagine. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them a hug and love and pray for me. You know what's going to happen? Jesus Christ is going to save them. He's going to heal them. Now, listen, he's going to heal them. He's going to deliver them. He's going to baptize You know, and some people say, well, what about this deliverance stuff? Look, Mary Magdalene was the one that followed Jesus with all of her heart. She was one of the first ones that saw him raised from the dead and testified to that fact. She was the one that Jesus cast seven demons out of. And listen, before some of you religious people think you're all that, she was one of the ones that was at the foot of the cross while others fled like cowards. But some of the people the Lord will deliver will end up being some of those that will be the greatest champions for Christ's kingdom. Amen. They'll be the most faithful. They'll be the ones that will follow him to the death while the religious people will flee whenever persecution comes. All right. So let God probe into you. We're going to pray in just a moment, but let me read this scripture. Psalm 147 verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Let God heal you. We'll go through and pray for people tonight. Let's go ahead with the recordings and all that. We're going to put up some chairs. And we're going to pray for people. And God's going to mightily touch you.